This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, what if there was a museum dedicated solely to Denver? Other cities have one, so why not us? Some people with real clout are starting to take this idea pretty seriously. So today, we are too. Westward editor Patty Calhoun has been following the Museum of Denver's story, and she's going to help us imagine a perfect location, ideas for exhibits, and the greatest food court of all time. Today is Monday, November 20th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Patty Calhoun, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Thanks so much. Producer Paul Caroli is also here. Hello. Hey, good morning, Bree. So, Patty, tell us about this idea for a museum of Denver. Like, where did it come from? Whose idea was this? Well, I think we can point the finger at Jason Hansen, who's at History Colorado. He's kind of the curator. He's the creative mind behind so many things. And I'd heard about this from him maybe a year ago because we're forever talking. Well, they're one block from our office, as you know. Sure. And we've talked a lot over the years about the Sand Creek exhibit and many other things. And he had mentioned this offhand, but over the last year, it's really picked up speed. He realized that every time he goes to another city, the first thing he does as a historian is look for that town's museum. Mm. It could be a tiny little town or it can be a big city. He he likes St. Louis's, for example. But if you think about Denver, there is no museum devoted just to Denver. And we have that beautiful civic center with mm. all those interesting buildings and Wouldn't it be a great place, you know, near History Colorado, near the library, near the art museum to have a museum of Denver, too? Hmm. Well, I mean, that's it's a nice idea, but it strikes me that he's like an actual museum professional, too. I mean, is this is this a viable thing? Is this real at all? Well, let's face it. If you want to do some big cultural institution, you are going to need people who want to give you money. Yes. I mean, there's no question. Now, a lot of the little museums in towns, maybe they take up a shelf in the library. Maybe they moved into the old depot. So there are always possibilities of starting small and at least getting the collection going. That makes sense. I mean, you could still Mm. put it somewhere. I mean, there's the McNichols building, which would be a great use of the McNichols building. Right, in Civic Center Park. Exactly, which has always had kind of an identity complex uh, crisis since it's been renovated. Great event space, some good exhibits, but but it's not it's not used. I don't feel like okay event space. It's okay. Oh, we've had events there. The audio audio is difficult in there, but also just like it just is not in people's minds as a place until you say I'm going to. Nichols for this yeah. versus it being the museum right, of Denver. Exactly. That you would just hop in on your lunch hour. Yeah. Um, if, if not that, and of course the city owns that building, it would be kind of a good segue. How about that horrible 
corner of 15th and Broadway, which at one point there was a proposal to put the Medal of Honor Museum there. That's right. And we were vying with another city. Hmm. So there are drawings for a potential museum there. You... But you would need someone who wanted to maybe gift the city of Denver with a museum because I don't see the city of Denver paying for a museum right now. That's like a gravel area. Oh, it's next just a mess to next to RTD or next to the RTD. Next to the Market, uh, not Market Street, the Civic Center Station. But RTD doesn't own that gravel part. Who owns it? So I'm hmm. actually not sure, but I should probably Could find be out spot. before I say this again on another show. But You're selling me on the McNichols building, though. Uh, well, the McNichols building is I an like obvious that. one, and many people have had Carnegie their Library, great history. And when history. they first started redoing it, they were thinking about a big restaurant there, make it more like Central Park, Ooh. which would also be cool, but you could do both. You could do both. Hmm. I've got some ideas for a restaurant that would go into this museum, which oh. is... <laughs> Maybe where we should go. We we are getting together right now so we can discuss our thoughts on if there were a Museum of Denver, what would we put in it? Paul, do you want to start? I'd love to. Of course. This you was would. the most fun it. prompt. I there's so many possibilities. I feel like I just got like a tiny, tiny little piece of Same. what this could mm. be. Um I'll just rattle off a bunch of ideas here. I mean, here's here's one that I think we should represent in some way. When the people of Denver banded together to reject the Olympics, Denver ah. won the the bid to host the 1976 Olympics. And but in the early 70s, our former governor Dick Lamb, um, who ha- has passed in the last couple of years, led this movement to to reject the games. I feel like we should have perhaps an empty sconce for the uh, for the torch that never came, that never was. Of course, that was a statewide ballot measure that took it away from mm-hmm. uh, Denver. It was the whole who profits, who pays. But still, there are little remnants of Denver. Like there's some housing up by 20th at, near Benedict Park that was going to be where they put the press. So you have remnants around town of that incredibly insane plan. I mean, some of the insanity was putting ski jumps in places where that don't get snow. Mm-hmm. So there are other there are other issues with it, but you're right. It's but, a chapter of Denver and how activist Denver was and really the politics of the 70s in Denver. Totally when you elected Pat Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like to see in relation to that, some of the campaign flyers and the news coverage, that would be the ephemera I would want in the museum to see how it was being positioned and the language that was being used. Because that's always interesting to me. I, I saw a video that I, I don't remember who produced Chamber of it. Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce it's produced really a good. really oh, good it. video to promote the idea of a Denver Olympics. And it's got all this swooping shots of the Rockies and stuff. It's beautiful. But I imagine that on a loop in the Museum of Denver. The Denver Olympic story starts in a land of Olympian proportions, the American West. Massive, majestic, you can feel it all around you. The heroes, the villains, the hardship, and the triumph. Here, man has fashioned unique relationships to himself and to the land. A spirit lives here, the tradition of the West. Oh, love it. Okay. Um, All right. So that's one. Here's another idea. This is more for like an exhibit. Um, And a lot of these are like, I feel like essentials. Like we need to have some of this stuff in here, but I'm calling this the hall of mayoral bullshit. (laughs) 
So each mayor, I'm imagining, we would represent with a single object. So Wellington Webb's sneakers that he wore Already while he was campaigning. in history, Colorado, of course. So, so perhaps Jason Hansen might be able to <laughs> organize some kind of a loan there. A tap handle from John Hickenlooper's Wind Already Coop in there. Brewing. Another one. <laughs> Uh, for Federico Pena, I thought maybe a chunk of the 16th Street Mall that they are tearing up right now. We could go grab one. Or is there is there like a, di- a miniature scale model of DIA? I mean, we need to have DIA in oh, this museum. We have to somewhere. a lot on DIA in this museum. And the, the whole Poundstone Amendment, people don't know it just outside this room. I was educating some of our younger writers the other day that the Poundstone Amendment was created because people didn't want evil white flight and busing coming from Denver into their lily white suburbs. So what they did is they made sure Denver couldn't annex any other areas. And that's why we had to have the vote over DIA hmm. because that wasn't Denver land. Hmm. So it's just, it's so much deeper than we wanted a big international well, airport. Let me add one mayoral bullshit. Please thing, do. Which is a hundred years ago when Ben Stapleton was elected mayor with the help of the KKK, mm-hmm. the whole buy-in by the city Brahmas into the KKK, and not just the city, but the state, but the city was run by the KKK, basically. We need a big exhibit devoted to that. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, Yeah, we've got to really show that part of our history because it's very very telling of of who we are Uh, and how far we've come, also. (laughs) All right, so switch gears from the Hall of Mayoral Bullshit. Here's my next big idea. This is for um, to represent the fact that Denver has become the cradle of uh, the fast casual revolution. Oh, so many going. restaurant chains were founded here. So in 1990, a culinary school graduate, a Denverite. Uh, he had just done a stint working under Jeremiah Tower in San Francisco. His name was Steve Ells. He came back to Denver and he started a burrito restaurant down on Evans. Um, Chipotle, obviously, is what I'm talking about. But here's what I want to represent <laughs> Chipotle with. I read, and maybe this was in Westward, I actually don't remember, but a few years ago they were renovating the first Chipotle location. On, on uh, Evans. On Evans. Evans. And they, they added the um, the order down the line thing because yeah. that wasn't actually initially well, part of the- it was such a tiny place. It was so tiny. It was, it's kind of interesting to think about how that first happened. But anyway, I remember reading and I saw a picture of a um, one of the rafters in the basement of that location where Steve Ells and some of the original uh, employees some of his original employees all signed their names. I think that beam should be in the uh, Museum of Denver. Well, if it didn't knock down the building it currently is in, since yeah. that one's still operating. But. <laughs> if it's if it's an essential beam, it can stay down on Evans. But if it's inessential, get it up in McNichols. That's what I say. I have so many feelings about this, Paul, because this is we know Chipotle is not representative of Colorado or Denver Mexican food to me by any. But what I know, I'm raising my eyes. By what I know historically, furiously. and conversations with Patty and Gustavo Ariano about this. So, I, if we have that, I think we need the rise of the fast casual empire, including the first Quiznos, the story, mm-hmm. the Tokyo Joes, the Smash Burger, the Smash Burgers, the uh, spicy pickles, rest in peace, of the things that came and went because of that. But then also, we'll have a separate section on. On Denver Mexican food, of course. As it evolved. I mean, when you think about it, so Mexico City Lounge is celebrating its 65th right now. We have um, La Fiesta, which just celebrated its 60th. You can go back pretty far with families still running these places. But certainly we can get in, we can try to figure out when it became popular. Oh, I can tell you this. Buffalo Bill opened the first Mexican restaurant in the country in New York City. 
Buffalo in the Bill? 1880s. Buffalo Bill did. What? Buffalo, he he had his Wild West <laughs> show <laughs> in New York City. I'll bet it was horrible, too. That's and they were serving horrible. like chili rellenos. He opened a restaurant there. In New York City? Yeah. So the, if you talk Someone to, said that's the first Mexican restaurant in the country? I'm telling you, if you talk to Gustavo Ariano, and I, I introduced him to Steve Friesen, who used to be the head of the Buffalo Bill Museum here, Buffalo Bill Museum and Grave. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Now, you've got to think there were probably Oh, I'm sure there were holes family in the wall. But when you owned. also think there weren't a lot of restaurants. People didn't take their kids to go eat in the San Luis Valley at a restaurant. No, and also kid, men- kid menus didn't yeah. exist till like 40 or 50 years Right, so if you think anyway, about but, when yeah. restaurants really evolved as a family dining place, that was much later. It was much more the fancy type things or people who were going to Madison Square Gardens to see Buffalo Bill. Hmm. Oh my gosh! I bet that food was terrible. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> oh, almost certainly. I think I think we even Buffalo have the menu Bills somewhere. Mexico. I will send that to you. That'll be fun. We'll put it in the Museum of Denver. Well, we're gonna have to steal things from other museums, and you can see actually that say History Colorado has done some exhibits. Yeah, that might definitely. belong more in the history in Museum of Denver, but mm-hmm. no one's doing those. And you have to. You've got to yeah, do the KKK. They know what they're You've doing. You've got to do the mayors mayors of Denver because it's still the capital. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right, let me hit you with my last idea. The last one I like. And okay. now you mentioned earlier, Patty, that they're going to need a lot of money to make this happen. Um, so this is both an idea for an exhibit and a corporate sponsor. Um, I am proposing the uh, the world of Pepsi. Uh, oh, so Pepsi, Lord. as some people know, is are currently working on their largest bottling plant in the country. <laughs> they chose to build it right here in Denver, out by the airport. And I think like Atlanta has the world of Coke, where you can taste Coca-Cola from all around the world and all the Coke products from history. We should be able to do that here. And where uh, better than the Museum of Denver to embrace Denver's identity as Pepsi Town? Well, of course, we no longer have the Pepsi Center. Unfortunately, <laughs> so yes. So I'm not so sure. Yes. But ball, you know, ball center of ball is not going to be it's so It's not good. very cool sounding. No. <laughs> it's a really tough one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How about microbrews instead? That's kind of what I was thinking. Or even just... What up both? Yeah. I mean, I would be... Rocky Mountain Dew? Little Rocky Mountain oh. Dew mural on the wall? Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. No right. no murals. All right. Well, no wait. If they give a lot of money, I guess we could figure out how to do yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't think about the money part. Okay. We're well, going to need so, that money. Oh, the money. Just to, even if you get McNichols, which would be, and there is a group of people working. Kendra Black is one of the former one, city former council city council mayor. person. Mm-hmm. She signed on when she knew she wasn't going to run again. They're trying to get all the former mayors on an advisory committee. They, they actually want to open it up to the city for suggestions on what should be in the Museum of Denver. They want it to be inclusive, which will be great if it happens. But it's it would great, be such a good a perfect location. thing in that location. Because they just, you know, they just did that redo. Pat Milbury just did the redo of the on mural the Bannock on, Street. This, mm-hmm. on Bannock Street itself. You could walk, cry. It'd be so nice. It really is. It really could be could be something. Well, we're looking for ideas. I think you two have got plenty, but we're, let's go to a quick break and... Uh, Listeners, um, we want to hear from you as well. Before we go to this break, call in, tell us what should be in the Museum of Denver, 720-500-5418. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. 
There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. And we're back. Patty, let's start with you. What do you got? Well, I did bring in the original copies of Westward, which I would say newspapers in general would be very fascinating because think about how many newspapers were originally in Denver and that buyers started the Rocky Mountain News. The Byers family. Well, yeah, William William Byers, just days after gold was found here, he came out so fast. Another guy would have been the one who started it, but he went to the gold mines first just to to actually do some reporting. (laughs) So by the time he came back, the Rocky Mountain News was established. (laughs) But just the history of Denver papers, what they used to be like, may it rest in peace, the Rocky Mountain News, and maybe we could get the archives from the Rocky Mountain News oh, in that there. Would that would be, be so a great, great feature for a Museum of Denver. Hello, Phil Anschutz, we're talking to you, but some of the things you own <laughs> would be great. Um, I love that. I love the, the Westward archives too. You brought them out and I was like, oh man, I want to read through every single piece of this because it's not just you know, the articles, but it's like, who was advertising at that time? Mobile rest- hot tubs. I mean, imagine we could have a mobile hot tub <laughs> there's outside an, there's this a, thing. There's an illustrated ad for Gov's Park, which just makes me want to go to Gov's Park, which doesn't exist anymore. Just, it's beautiful. What was on the cover of the first Westward, Patty? 1977. It actually was a not very smart uh, marketing thing because you're supposed to, like, we know you're supposed to make people pick up the paper, mm-hmm. even if it's free, <laughs> you have to create demand. It was a picture of a coal miner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say, Which, when you showed me that, I was like, this is the first one? Yeah, it Surprised was not really you. a smart idea. <laughs> well, it worked okay. In the also end. black and white. You know, we, yeah, you yeah. got to work with what you have. Okay, so the archives, sure. Yeah. Uh, but what not else? just us. I mean, everyone Everything. is out there. And you also have, you had the early Latino newspapers. You had the early black newspapers, the, the Japanese, the Chinese. I mean, really interesting. So, of course, I'm going to be partial to that. But you were also looking... TV. I mean, we should. Okay, I have a new idea. If we can't do it at McNichols, we're taking over Cable Land. Have you ever been in Cable Land? You let me go in Cable Land. Land. Okay, so Cable Land is the Bill Daniels Mansion, which is on Shangri-La Drive, which is not far from your house, Paul. There's, what's the little? It's Sculpture Park. It's like uh, the Target. Okay. And the Col- Colorado Boulevard, yeah. it's like Colorado Boulevard, Leedsdale-ish, yeah. and it's this little strip, and it's this like half moon street that nobody drives on because it's fancy houses. And Cable Land is one of the mansions on this house, and it was Bill Daniels, the ca- the cable magnate that brought cable television to Colorado. <laughs> but it is like they did a little remodeling, which I wish they didn't do, Patty. Honestly, because it is like the Scarface, of it was so unbelievable, Coke Den looking. <laughs> has a fire pole in it. It has in the bedroom. In, in the, the bedroom. bedroom is a fire pole. It also has these walls amazing. of TVs. And it was given by Bill Daniels to, to the, the city. city of Denver. He wanted it to be the mayoral residence, but after that, mm-hmm. no mayor really wanted to live there. Although we do understand different <laughs> it's city a real officials pad. without a place to live have gone in the guest quarters. Like I believe Michael Hancock was there for a while after he separated <laughs> yeah. from his wife. But it is Former still, yes, you know, it yeah. is now used mostly for city events and occasionally it's leased out. But 
for a non to a nonprofit. But that could be our backup because I'm thinking the walls of TVs and we could show Honestly. Blinky the clown. We could show what was it, Sheriff Scotty, all the location. old, old <laughs> TV shows that were in this town. Yeah. I I dreamed of it as like an ultimate DIY space, like Rhinoceropolis 3.0 in that place. Mm. It'd been amazing. Telephones next to the toilet. I mean, mm-hmm. it was eight there was a tanning bed in there. It was eighties fancy. It was like Dynasty, which of course we should also be oh, showing yeah, of course. nonstop in which there. Which was quote unquote set in Denver. in Denver. And all they basically ever did here, they did go to the carousel ball once when Marvin Davis, who is the oil magnate here, um, who wound up buying 20th Century Fox at some point. But so the, the uh, whole cast of Dynasty came out here for one of his benefits, the carousel ball. Oh, see, hmm. that's the only time. And Dynasty then otherwise they showed here. like something of 17th Street in the credits. Yeah. I keep meaning to watch some of that it's show. Not, it's Is not going to like give, it's watching? not giving oh, no. you Denver oh, no. vibes at all. For, at all. Well, it's not giving you really any vibes no, at all. It's quite horrible. Yeah. But entertaining. <laughs> all right. What else you got, Patty? Well, I think I talked about the restaurants, which I think are important. I think music, uh, we have to talk about just what kind of music was played where and when, and certainly the rise of the 60s. Um, we have to talk about marijuana, magic mushrooms. The first federal marijuana bust was in Colorado. In fact, it might even have been in Denver. So that was in hmm. the 30s. We need to talk about that when how it's growing and how different things are happening. There was a, there were some LSD labs in Colorado in Denver in the 60s that were, were notorious around the country. Hmm. We're going to have a whole drug timeline. How oh, would yeah. we represent the the marijuana thing though? That's a huge topic and like legalization. I I don't know. I mean. I mean, I see it as like a timeline in a museum. You know right. what I mean? Timeline. You would talk about Starting. when it became federally illegal yeah. and what they did to vilify it and make it like a bad Mexican drug when, in fact, hemp was being grown here for so long. Totally. So, And that was the 30s. The hmm. first people busted federally here. Hmm. All the way down to where it is as a recreational drug intrinsic to our music community for sure. I mean... Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and the seniors now, you know, who are smoking it in the 60s and now use it for their arthritis. It's I mean, great. It's fascinating. <laughs> All um, right. Anything else, Patty, yeah, you, you got, got on you your got list? More. Uh, these are well, fun. Well, clearly you also have to go back to the early story of when Denver came to be. What was here before? The tribes mm. that were peaceful meeting, you know, with the, the confluence, confluence and, said, yes. and said to the gold uh, hunters, don't camp here because it, it floods the confluence of Cherry Creek and the South Platte. So because we are still having trouble getting a memorial to the Cheyenne and the Arapaho and, and their descendants of the people killed at Sand Creek, we need to, maybe we could do it at the Museum of Denver because we're not getting one at the Capitol yet. Mm. Like so we idea. have to deal that with that for right. sure. That feels like a nice like way to open the museum. Absolutely, like you walk in, you see a great. big beautiful memorial. Like this is this is what was here before. Denver. But then you hear the story, which I like. You just talked about, which is don't camp here; it floods. And it, then what happened? Right, and you have <laughs> it you think, flooded. You would have to work in partnership, obviously, with History Colorado. So convenient for sure. that Jason is there because they've got that excellent Sand Creek yeah. exhibit a nice now. Nice tie-in. So you would send them over, and that was 160 miles from Denver, where it happened. But they paraded body parts and little captive Indian children through the streets of Denver afterwards and put the kids on a stage. 
Oh. You know, this is actually giving me a new idea. The, the flooding thing reminds me of that old um, diorama in History Colorado about the water, all the, the network of reservoirs that Denver Water has built over the last 150 years to supply the city with water. They should, like, update that diorama because it's in pretty bad shape right now, and that would be great in the Museum of Denver well. We, as we well. would offer to take some off their hands in the Museum of Denver. Yeah, I would spruce that. I up. think some of the shysters and hoaxers, you know, from the Soapy Smith days <laughs> to also— I in, didn't know the Soapy Smith story. I just went to the bar called Soapy <laughs> Smith's. Right. What's the Soapy Smith story <laughs> for people tell. who don't know? I think it's a great he would, story. Like, wouldn't it, he would hand out bars of soap, and he would say there were great things inside, but there weren't. I think that was him. But we've had so many shysters come in like in right by right by union station where they would just pick off people like suckers ellen prendergast in his book on philip von seiss the battling da in the 20s who fought the kkk he also fought all these shysters who were coming in and just getting these rubes right off the train denver was known as the big store because people were so easy to con and the con men just thought ripe for the pick and you just pick them up the shelves like at a store that i had never heard about I'd so never heard that till Alan released that book this year. Wow. So we should have a con men corner and you know, mm-hmm. it's goes all the way up to today. But we had a fake chic who came and fooled an FB, former FBI guy who'd opened a hotel on Wazee Street just twenty years ago. <laughs> um Brad, I feel like we got to go to you. I know. I well, she just said too. the big store, and this is not in my list, but now I'm thinking about the ski slope that came out of the Madian F building. On oh. 16th Street, just and there was one retail at the moment. Castle. Really? Mm-hmm. Retail was a much different experience back hmm. then. But um, oh gosh, and the hyperbolic paraboloid and I am Pay's work. But okay, none of this is on my list. Let me start. Um, I would say okay. So I had a couple ideas that I just were throwaways. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, we were talking about restaurants, Mexican restaurants. I think that we could recreate the lobby at the old Chubby's which was like tiny mm-hmm. and cramped. And like you came after the club let out and then you went into the club known as Chubby's. Mm-hmm. And it just had a very distinct feeling that I think would be fun to reenact. And smell. And smell and cha- the chaos that ensues there. Um, I also thought the bathroom at Bar Bar would be a good installation for a museum. It was the probably still the most disgusting restroom I've ever used in the city of Denver. True experience. Um, I'll, I'll join you on that. <laughs> These are all my throwaways, though. I haven't and, had the pleasure. I, Paul, I don't know if you, I, I don't know for your safety if I'd want you to go in there at this point. Um, and then the fun house at Lakeside was something that I would also want to recreate because it closed down when I was six. I don't have memories of it. Everyone, old Denver still talks about it. It was one of those old fun houses where people probably got hurt inside. A what's, lot. Ha- what's happening in there? What's so fun like, about this? Like they would have these like, rotating floorboards where you would get thrown off of it like you laid down and you would get thrown off of it and there was a thing that blew air up of women's skirts and like very that era thing but (laughs) that sounds fun and then then the laughing sal which was this giant uh like sort of puppet of a woman that was out front that made this terrifying laugh i've seen a laughing sal actually on fisherman's wharf in san francisco and it's it is a Victorian era terror that children did not. I don't know why it was aimed at children, but people say Laughing Sal in Lakeside still exists somewhere hmm. in the storage. But uh, those were my throwaways. So I guess those I was good. I, <laughs> I had so many ideas, but I would start with the entrance to the museum would have the two fiberglass hula girls from the Rainbow Riot at Elitches. 
This was my favorite ride at Elitch's. From old Elitch's. Well, it, it's one of the few rides that went from old Elitch's to new Elitch's. Where is it in new Elitch's? It's gone now. It's oh, gone. Oh. But it did make the trip. And it was just a very simple ride. It looked like sort of like a stand, a stand of bleachers that you sat in. And then it went in a circle in the air. But there were these two fiberglass women that were just like greeting you on it. So <laughs> that would be my my old, that would be my old Elitch's. I love that one. That's a good call. Touch. I don't know. Did you have an old Elitch's favorite, Patty? Not really. I mean, I would love to transport the whole theater. Oh, yeah, to the, the theater itself. Or the carousel. That could be a good location. To, well, who knows what they're doing with it over well, there. Well, they're trying. They're trying to save it. I mean, we, we can look at alternatives where you could be like Cable Land. Yes. Or the, they could be satellites, too, or the old Elitch's Theater. That theater is so cool because it truly is stuck in time when you go in there you're like holy cow Mm -hmm. but the big danger is if you're going to try to make a museum work it has to be something that people can just drop into easily that's true that's true Hmm. get tough sell um uh well i wanted to commemorate adapt and the work that they did uh around the disability rights movement here in the late 70s and early 80s um, in 1978, RTD had just rolled out this brand new fleet of bus, over 250 buses uh, to serve the city of Denver, and none of them were wheelchair accessible. Um, Atlantis, which was the first independent living um, community for people with disabilities in the country, was right here in Sun Valley. And they sued and said, these are not accessible to us, and the courts didn't agree with them. So in response, uh, disability rights activists, disabled people, got out into the streets and put themselves in front of buses at Colfax and Broadway, they put their bodies in front of the buses to stop them from moving to make the point that they could not get on those buses. And it was this revolutionary act that changed uh, the way transportation works across the country and really kick-started this conversation about disability and the rights of folks with disabilities to have base. I mean, this was the 70s. We didn't get the ADA until 1990. So... This was the work that they did here in Denver. Right, so it would be right at the corner where the yeah, museum be would be, perfect. depending. And they're they're actually already talking about putting some memorial up in Civic Center to that group. But because there's have a one whole little exhibit? plaque, but mm-hmm. it's not enough. And I know that uh, History Colorado did a phenomenal one, and Adapt the actual uh, organization has its own museum as well over in Baker. But I would love to have an, uh, a piece of that in the Denver Museum. So maybe some signage, some some folks old, some wheelchairs from the activists that were part of it. Yeah, that you would know? be a really interesting exhibit. It'd be so cool yeah. because when you see those photographs, Paul, I think it just like makes you realize these folks literally put their bodies in the street to get access to transportation. And there's a little uh, memorial to it yeah, it's at Meow tiny. Wolf of all places. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the bu- there's a bus in it, mm-hmm. in the Meow Wolf exhibit. That's part of the whole storyline. And um, there's a little bit about Adapt in Meow Wolf as well. Hmm. That's what was point. that like, Patty, in 1978? You were westward. You must have been covering that. Yeah, well, we were. It was, you know, it was wild. I guess we didn't realize just how revolutionary it was for the whole country. We just thought, this is good. It's happening in Denver. We talked to those people a lot. We were downtown. So, um, but it really woke people up. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the most mobilizing stories I've ever heard when I was learning about activism. And I was like, this is so cool. It happened here in Denver. So... Um, It's a great one. Yeah, what else you got? My final piece, uh, it would be, every museum has a great restaurant. And mine would be an immersive (laughs) Breakfast King. You would get to go to the old Breakfast King. So it would be an actual restaurant, Mm -hmm. just as any museum has, but it would be an exact replication of Breakfast King, orange booths, 
wood paneled walls, but there's also um, actors in it, like there are at Meow Wolf. So there's like a rowdy crowd of drunk people behind you. There's maybe some construction workers. So and it's the an immersive. Breakfast King is there still. It still is. I think you it. could take the whole thing and put it in there, but. <laughs> I just selfishly want to go to the Breakfast King again, and this was my way of this putting like it into the, the museum. Yeah. But also, I know people that would pay to have an immersive experience of going back to the Breakfast King. Yeah, would that be the restaurant you'd want to recreate, Patty? Or I would have to say one? the restaurant we need back in Denver is Racine's because we do not have the go-to restaurant. It's true, Patty. I mean, I was thinking about it. I, I think I ran into you there Halloween. I would go to Racine's. Oh. You'd run into so many people you knew. It was the go-to spot when you couldn't think of where to go. When I was in journalism school they said get a job at racines you'll meet all of the uh, press people and all the politicians so and it's been a tougher town without it yes. so i would say for practicality that would be great <laughs> but maybe we could have also a breakfast king why not two some people some people have casual you know you smaller know, restaurants i just want biscuits larger. and gravy why not i'll just call my friends at pepsi we'll get you know another check we you are very optimistic about pepsi i have to say <laughs> Um, well, I love listeners, it. those are our ideas. We've got so many. We've got the Olympics. Chipotle. We've got Chipotle. We've got the, all of the... The mayors and their <laughs> junk. The big store. The Chuckster. The oh, Chucksters. The big store would be so great. <laughs> the but, big store. Um, well, listeners, those are our ideas. We want to hear from you. Like I said, send us your best one. Send us the stuff that we couldn't think of. Um, the, the Museum of Denver hotline is open. Uh, call in, leave us a voicemail, send us a text, 720-500-5418. Again, the Museum of Denver hotline is open at 720-500-5418. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Patty. Thank you. Yeah, this was super fun. I can't wait till this is real. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. Can we get some SCFD funding? Can we become a tier three?